You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. One of the things I love about podcasting is that I get to have conversations one-on-one with fellow artists, and I get to ask questions that not only reveal backstories and experiences of my guests, but often shed light on my own life or career, and how I can approach it differently or in a better way. While these casual conversations are taken seriously, there's also the chance to repeat or restate something. And I certainly go through the interviews and edit them in such a way so that my guest sounds as good as possible. And quite a bit of editing goes into making me sound intelligent as well. But imagine thousands or even millions of people watching you as you get a question you've never heard before and have to answer it on the spot knowing that judges are critiquing every word you say. This is just one of the aspects of being a part of a pageant. And though she has moved on to being an actress and entrepreneur, today's guest will share what she learned from her days in the pageant world. Hi, my name is Jocelyn Panton. I am originally from Abbotsford, BC, which is Kind of a smallish town, but not that small. It's one hour away from the big city of Vancouver, BC, which is where Hollywood North is. And that's why I moved there to pursue my dream of acting. So yeah, I'm an actor, TV and film. I also have a course for actors on how to create a side hustle to fulfill them and to pay the bills between acting gigs as well. As a child, Jocelyn attended a musical theater production that came to her hometown, and she just knew that that's what she wanted to do one day. Well, she stuck to that dream and has gone on to do television and film, including Percy Jackson and The Lightning Thief and The CW's DC Legends of Tomorrow, among others. But as any actor will tell you, money becomes an important part of our career, whether you actually have it or not. It can inform the decisions we make and the opportunities we can or can't take advantage of. And at one point, Jocelyn was $50,000 in debt because of acting expenses. And she shares how she got out of debt and what it taught her about the hustle needed to stay in this business. But as Jocelyn came to realize, family and our personal lives can mean so much more and are far more important than making it or not. But I was actually trying to figure out, like, since day one of becoming an actor, like, what's this perfect kind of job that I can have? Does this even exist? And I'd be Googling it and just trying to figure out what job can I have that'll let me go to auditions whenever I want, go to gigs without having to worry about, will my job be there when I'm done? And it it seemed like it wasn't even possible. Welcome and thank you for joining me for another episode here on Why I'll Never Make It, an award-winning theater podcast hosted by yours truly, Patrick Oliver-Jones, an actor and singer for more than 30 years. Every other week, I talk with fellow creatives who bring us stories from their own life of personal struggles and professional hardships with lessons we can all learn from. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com, where you can subscribe, donate, and find past episodes. Again, that's why I'll never make it.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, Jocelyn. It is so good to meet you and have you here on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> now, one of the things in going through your stories that you wanted to share today, I love that we have something in common, and that is discovering the world of being a stand-in. Mm-hmm. Now, it's it's something that I learned is kind of coming out of the pandemic, stand-in for The Tonight Show. Mine is probably a little bit different from the stuff that you've done. Mine is, at times, actually standing in for Jimmy Fallon. They record, like, over my shoulder, an arm, you know, whatever they need, you know, <laughs> body part, stand-in kind of stuff. What kind of stand-ins have you been doing? Okay, so I, I live in Hollywood North, Vancouver, so there's a lot of different TV shows and movies that film here, so... I mean, I started doing like back, I had through my background agent is when I got where I got the stand in gigs. And so from 2009 onwards, randomly, I would do someone like your, you know, your regular CW episodics, like Witches of East End and, and those types of shows. But then it was in 2015, when I really wanted to pay off a bunch of debt that I had. And I just wanted to attack it get it out of the way. And I went on Arrow. I was on Arrow for, I think, a month. And with your stand-ins, what exactly is involved in that particular stand-in job? So we have, there's stand-in and what you're describing, what you do is the shows I was on was we called photo doubling or hand doubling. But for the stand-in type of work that I did was between setups of filming. So while they're setting up the cameras and the lighting gear, I would be like the placeholder of the actor, the actual actor, whether it was a lead or another, like a, a series regular guest starring actor uh, while they're, you know, working on their lines. And every now and then you would, I would get to double dip with earnings by doing some hand doubling. So I would be their hand and that they call that a different job on camera because it's, because it's actually you on camera. It's a different job. Yeah. So you're double dipping. I think how you'd get like, time and a half or something for that those for the whole day I think from what I remember but yeah I was on the whole first season of Lucifer and the whole first season of Shut Eye. Now would it require you to actually look like the person you're standing in for or are you really just a body to be there? Kind of I don't think they're always so strict but when it's the lead on a TV series, they're they are more strict. So a lot of the time, they like, want they want you to be the same height or at least the same hair color. That way, if I had blonde hair and it was the actor had brown hair uh, or a different complexion, it's really hard to light them. Accurately. Right, it's all about lighting, yeah. Or to set up the camera at the right height, and so I'd have to wear. Sometimes they still wanted me, even though the actor was taller than me. But I would make sure I had some good heels, comfortable yes. <laughs> heels. You're on your feet a long cut, but yeah, yeah, I bet. And another way of making more money I found was buying a wig. So I did at one point have a dark hair wig that I could stand in for more actors, and then I got more days of work and longer hours and stuff. Well, let's get into the first story that you wanted to talk about, and this has to do with lessons that you learned in the pageant world. And the first was with Miss. British Columbia. Uh, now, this was before you actually got into acting and all that, mm-hmm. but you froze up during the interview question portion because you thought that you needed to give them all the answers they wanted to hear rather than just being yourself at this point. So what was it that got you into the pageant world to begin with? Uh, I felt like I had something positive to share with the world and I want to be positive inspiration, but also it seemed like a lot of fun. Like I, when I was younger, I remember watching Miss America and all that and like the, the glamour of it all, and the dressing up, being on the stage. It seemed like a lot of fun. And and when I had the opportunity to do it later on in life, it just, it, it was like, okay, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> did, did you ever get, you know, the stereotypical pageant girl criticisms or did anyone make fun of that? Mm, maybe. So I don't really identify myself as a pageant girl because it was such a blip in my life from 2005 to 2007. But when I did first start acting and really get serious into acting in 2009, one of my acting teachers, 
when you know when you're in class and they're giving you some tough love he was like you're not a pageant girl anymore you got to dig deep like that kind of stuff <laughs> but other than that not really and actually you know what when that while you say that I'm getting this memory of auditioning for I think it was the first season of Fringe the TV show and this French director brought me into the callback room and I was ready to do my I was it was like my first year of acting and he brought me into the room and I was so ready to do my lines and he asked me about the pageant and I got so thrown off by having this conversation before I could do my lines that by the time it came to do my lines I totally froze again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is interesting those questions which it probably was just meant as a conversation, but we just kind of get in our heads when it comes to those yeah. before and after conversations when it, uh, during the auditions. I know it, the same thing happens for me. I will say for the most part, I try to just be, you know, cool, casual at that time. But then sometimes, yeah, they'll throw a question that you weren't ready for. And you're like, uh, well, uh, I was. Uh, um. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Totally. Yeah. And that happened so much in the beginning. And I feel like as the years went on and I got more acting, I put less weight on needing to impress, less weight on needing to book the role and more just having fun that things like that just don't stopped phasing me and I can't even say they don't phase me anymore because like when was the last time we were in an actual audition room <laughs> so what were these questions that the uh, the panelists you know for the Miss British Columbia what kind of questions were they asking you oh my gosh so this is going back to 2005 oh 17 <laughs> years ago it would be stuff like if you were Miss BC Miss British Columbia coast, what would be your platform? What would you speak about? And what would you focus on as a role model? What kind of, if you, you know, could change anything about the city, what would you change? Uh, if you were to sit in a room with my teenage daughter, what kind of life lessons would you download to her? That kind of stuff. These, these can be kind of hefty questions. Hefty questions, and also some of the same questions that you'd expect a Miss America to be asked. Right. To, right? Yes, yes. I mean, they are they are very similar to the you know role model. What do you hope to change in the world? You know, all those kind of things. So, so I'm, but I'm sure that you were kind of ready for those answers. But at the same time, I was. Yeah, it was interesting because, like, fast forward. So that was July of 2005 is when I did Miss BC Coast, and then fast forward about to January of 2006, so only a few months later, I took some of the lessons I had learned and I had practiced with a family friend. I had come up with like a list of any possible question and I would practice answering it back and forth. And, and in some ways I think that's a good thing, but in some ways it's a bad thing because you're practicing the skill of memory, but you're not practicing the skill of being on the spot and like just taking whatever comes and answer, answering truthfully because you're just answering truthfully from who you are. You don't have to remember anything. And so that really threw me off when I, even when I went to Miss Universe Canada, because I was like, I want to do things differently, but I focused on mem memory and role play versus just answering, like being true to myself and being authentic and all that. Does that tend to come off better? Th those that kind of were a bit more free with their answers, casual and doing it on the spot rather than a rehearsed answer? I think so. By the time... 2006 rolled around I mean we think times before that like if you've ever watched the, the the pageants from the 70s 80s even the early 2000s everyone is so recited and I think those are the messages that I learned from and I wanted to be so recited and so polished and put together and I thought that's what people wanted but as 2006 rolled around 2005 rolled around as time has gone by even in the industry even in the film industry people want to hear more authentic stories than they do polish. Like even with the sixties radio announcer voice, right? Like that's changed over time too. It was very like, just so recited. It wasn't authentic at all, but it was a style. So as 2006 rolled around, they definitely wanted someone who was more real. Now you had mentioned that you did compete nationally in the Miss Universe Canada as well. And you say that it was then that you realized the power of being true to your dreams. Now, I imagine this was a much bigger stage than Miss BC, both literally and figuratively. 
how did you handle that pressure of the of the bigger stage? I loved it. I had so <laughs> much fun. I mean, I didn't really dream hugely about it. I guess in t- oh my gosh, I'm like remembering all these things that I forgot. When I was in grade nine, my, my email address, 1999, actually 1990, yeah, 1999 was Miss Universe 23 at angelfire.com. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I was 19 when I competed in the pageant, but in a way it was kind of like my teenage dreams come true and the glitz and the glam of it all just like, it was so much fun. It was intimidating for sure. I felt, I found the judges more scary than the actual audience though. And then also there's all these lights and it's more, it feels kind of like you're surrounded by black curtains and a black floor that it almost feels like you're alone up on stage. So that takes away from the pressure, but there it's it's coming in in different elements. And then you're preparing off stage with like changing outfits and changing your makeup and the speed of it all. It, it can be really exciting too. Like the, your adrenaline's up and that's part of, it's like going to auditions when you're adre- the adrenaline's up. It can be fun, but it can also be really scary. If you can find the happy medium between both, it, it just ends up being a thrill. And you say that you learned a lot through this. What would you say was your big light bulb moment that came from being either in Miss BC or the Miss Universe Canada? I think the the ball started rolling from Miss BC because I don't think it was then that I realized the reason why I froze up in that interview was because I was trying to give people what they were wanting to hear. I didn't realize that that was the problem. I was so confused. Why did I freeze up? But I realized why after the Miss Universe Canada pageant because I kind of did it again but I was less afraid. But I realized I'm just like the person that won. They didn't have any, like, they weren't trying to be extra feminine. They weren't trying to be, you know, any which way they were just, they were, their voice was dropped in. And in the past, that wasn't a popular thing. And they like laughed in a geeky way. But for some reason that won the audience or the judges over, which by the way, part of me still thinks that one at least was kind of rigged. But <laughs> that's another story in itself. Yes, I, yeah, the politics of the pageant world. Yeah, that's that's a whole other subject. I, I can only imagine what goes on behind yeah. that. So you also had this childhood dream of being on the screen, and mm-hmm. eventually you get into broadcasting. Once you left the pageant world, yeah, you went into broadcasting instead of acting. Why did you choose that path versus a straight theater acting for camera yeah. or whatever path? When I was a kid, I actually really wanted to act. I fell in love with a musical theater that came in town when I was really young and, and just watching TV shows. I thought it would be amazing. I had a crush on Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> in man of the house and i was like oh he's acting in vancouver oh that's so cool and i would pray that my parents would let me but we had i have four siblings there's no way my mom would have driven me more auditions so so yeah i wanted to when i was a kid by the time i was 19 competing in those pageants i was working in a bank and also going to business school at the time and i didn't feel it just never crossed my brain that doing TV and film would be an actual career that I could support myself with, or like I could actually achieve dreams that are deep down inside of me. So I, when I finished Miss Universe Canada, I was like, I'm, I need, there was a sense of fulfillment. I got being in front of the audience performing that way. It was a joy to be in the pageant, even though there's like politics, even though there's some dramas that happened, it, it fulfilled me more than working in a bank. And I was like, okay, let's something else that's on screen is doing broadcasting. This seems more like a logical, real job that like it still fulfills me in that way, but it could be a, a legit job. And then when I was in broadcasting school, I was almost done. And I uh, there was a radio portion and a TV portion. I was like, let's strengthen my on-camera performance with acting classes. And that's when I was like, oh, this is what I really want to do. And I moved to Vancouver. And there were a series of things that happened that just led me to that point. But I was like, let's just figure out whatever I need to do to get an agent and get into acting classes and to, to book gigs. Like, what do I need to do? And I just figured it out. Yeah, which is everything you're talking about is kind of the business side of it. Yes, there's the acting classes and the training, the craft of it. But what you're talking about is really the business side, which I feel like not a lot of college programs talk about the business, but 
it's it's a very important part to understand that that business side of the industry is just as necessary as the artistic side. Yeah. It's a unique position actors have because I think in most jobs you have the the business manager and you have the creative department, but as actors we have to wear both caps for ourselves. Yeah, how did you find balancing both of those caps as you were beginning? Yeah, in the beginning, so I always loved performance. I loved acting. I when I was a kid, I went to summer camp and we did improv and I absolutely loved it. Uh but I did definitely have that my dad is an entrepreneur. I had that role modeled to me my entire life and I started working doing like tasks working for him in, when I was 10 years old. So and like even going into Miss Canada, Miss Universe Canada pageant, it's like kind of against the grain of what your average person would do. So I think maybe my problem solving skills was what I had that that made me focus on the business side in a logical manner, like what's my next step of making this happen? Whether that's asking advice from people in the industry or even just meeting people in the industry or getting my, at one point I got my cousin to take my first headshots and (laughs) things like that. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, for story number two, this leads us into something that we all kind of deal with as, as actors, as students. We come out of school with student debt. We get into acting and headshots cost something. You have to go to acting classes. You know, you have to keep up the training and the coaching, voice lessons for singers. So there's all these expenses that keep adding up. And at one point, you accumulated $50,000 in debt, which is crazy. It's crazy. That's so much. (laughs) And now, was most of this just from the classes, the training, you know, getting everything together? A lot of it. A lot of it would have been from the training a lot. And I know it seems really high, but I think it was also... But if you take a course, that can be a few thousand dollars and then you take a few of those and yeah. Yeah. And like a summer of a whole bunch of workshops or even like buying the clothes that you need for auditions. And yeah. And then also not having that I did not at, in 2010, I got laid off from my job. I started serving for a time. Actually, it was 2012. I started serving and I wasn't making nearly as much as I was making in my full time job before. So it's it's not just like spending money, but it's also not making enough money too. Right. So you're living off of credit cards, I assume, and things yeah. like that. Well, yeah. I think I know I'm a very determined person. So I would be like, okay, let's get a new credit card with a better rate or a line of credit with a better rate and pay off this one. So I'd pay off the other one with the plan to shut the other one down, but then I kept it open because I wasn't making enough money. And then and it's just No, I mean, that can take years for some people to pay off. How did you end up paying off yours? I had tried to search everything I could online to figure out, okay, like, how can I pay it off a few hundred dollars a month or whatever? And it just felt like no matter what I did, there was unexpected things that would come up. So I ended up being like, I just need to get rid of it as fast as I can right now. I can't keep postponing this. So uh, like I would come up with this amazing plan to get rid of it. And then three months later, again, these unexpected expenses would come up. So I was like, I need to attack it. Talk to a friend of mine in the industry who who did stand in work. And he's like, you need to attack it. So that's where I got that from him. And I had just gotten married and we wanted to buy uh, a condo or something to live in. And so I was like, I'm just, I'm going to do stand in work because you can make pretty good money doing that and even like background work makes pretty good money but stand-in gig you get on a show you're and you're the lead actors stand-in then you're there for at least six months so that helped to be pay off pretty much all of it 
maybe my husband helped me a little bit because he was doing pretty good. But like, but 90% of it was from standing in and I was able to pay it off in less than a year. So yeah. I mean, 50,000 really in a year is huge. That's huge. Yeah. 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 It felt so good to just like, and we, when we got married, my husband bought a bottle of Veuve Clicquot for when we got married to celebrate. <laughs> and he bought a second bottle for when I paid off all my debt. He's like, this How is wonderful. what we're going to open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got to open that bottle of champagne. It was really nice. <laughs> now, did you have to live like a hermit during that year? I mean, did you just like, you didn't go out, you didn't do anything fun. You just nose to the grindstone kind of thing. Kind of because I was, I didn't have a life because I was on set every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. You have to be up at six. You're done, you know, when the sun goes down sometimes later. So yeah, you have 12 yeah. hour days. What else are you going to do? Yeah. But other than that, like just hanging out with people in the industry, getting out when it was nice, taking event, like our union here, uh, UBCP Actra, which is like a sister company to SAG, they would give free tickets like raffle tickets to their awards shows, stuff like that. So those are the kind of things that. Yeah. You take advantage of all those free tickets. All the free stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, believe me. I do that all the time too. (laughs) So with regards to the, you you started standing in and then you paid off all your debt and it was around the same time that you started this side hustle for yourself. What exactly did you find for yourself apart from standing in? Yeah. I think like paying off that debt really just made me so energized with what I could have caught. Like, paying off 50k in a year is a big (laughs) deal and it made me feel like I can almost accomplish anything and since I started acting and it's most actors I'm sure are wondering the same question when they first start out is like how do I pay my bills between gigs how do I pay for acting classes how do I pay for headshots Uh, how do I make money so that I can go to auditions so I can go to the gigs and not have to worry about like my job still being there when I'm done stuff like that so I was, I, I knew I had all the skills to, cause over the years I had done so many different jobs. And even as an actor, we accumulate so many skills. The average person doesn't accumulate. And so I was like, why don't, I know there's people who are out there who, who would pay for me and like things are moving online. A lot of entrepreneurs are moving online. Why don't I use my past like receptionist skills to, to do work for people who maybe they don't want to hire a part-time receptionist, but they can pay a bunch of hours per month and I'll get paid more money per hour because they don't have to pay a full salary to somebody. So I started a business, like a side hustle doing that. And like, I I got, my first goal was to just make $2,000 a month. I was like, that's all, that's all I want to get paid. $2,000 a month. That'd be amazing. I'll focus on my acting and everything. And then, you know, a lot of stuff happened in my life. Like I had, I had like seven, we had seven floods in the place we bought. We wanted to have a baby and it took us like two and a half years. So there were a lot of struggles that I faced. And in 2019, where I had like this light bulb moment with my seventh flood. And I'm like, this is just not. Was this happening at the same place you were living? I, yeah, we, I paid off all the debt in 2016 we bought a place almost right away and it was in like three months from moving into our place that we had our first flood. So fast forward to two more years to 2019, right before the pandemic, we had like seven floods. Oh my gosh. Which we're actually still in the same place and it's been amazing. We haven't had anything for three years, knock on wood, (laughs) but we (laughs) love it. We love it here. And people are like, why have you sold? Well, if we sell, we won't, we won't be able to say it. So anyway, because, you know, there's been so many floods at that point. A lot of time has gone by now and things are fixed. So, uh, and I was like, I need to, what do I need? What, do, what does Jocelyn need? Well, I need, I checked in with myself. Like what is in this really hard time that I'm in right now? What do I need? And I was, I, the answer that came to me was I need community and I need inspiration. And I thought out those two things. I went into my inbox in my email and I'm a nerd. I have this folder called what was it called? Like email list or something. Uh, and I, there was like a virtual assistant conference and I, it was online. I went to it. I got so inspired by people and I realized like I can be waking, making way more money in less time than I have been. And I just put the pedal to the metal. And within a month I was making like 29, my best month until then was $800 a month. 
And then the next month after really just like taking these things that I learned, I made like 2,900 that month. And then like three months later, I was making 7,000 a month. And then I made like 10,000. <laughs> now, this is all from virtual assisting? Yeah. Yeah. Well, freelancing. So I I did virtual assistance is like doing almost every kind of skill to every type of entrepreneur. But one of the things that I learned was you can make more money if you do one thing for one type of entrepreneur. So that was one of the lessons that I did. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do Facebook ads because somebody else I knew was making really good money doing Facebook ads. And that's one of the skills that some virtual assistants can do as just one of their tasks. And so I narrowed down to just that and made, started making a lot of money. Dude, like, Well, at least more than I had ever made in my entire life in a month. So that felt pretty amazing. Well, I think it's very interesting that you discovered, rather than trying to do so many different things, to narrow down your skill set and focus on certain people that need that skill set. And I, yeah. I think that translates to the acting world as well, where we try to, well, I can do all these roles. I can be all these kind of different characters. Totally. and Find a niche. It's like, yes, I'm sure you are talented, but once you find your type, once you find a certain thing, because as soon as you walk into a room, casting directors, whoever, they have a certain idea of what you could or could not be, you know, your look, your type, all that stuff. So yeah. it's important to know how you come across and kind of really hone in on that. Totally. And it's like, you can, yes, you can fight against your type, but do you want to establish yourself in the industry as fast as you possibly can? Or do you want to just prove something to yourself that you can do everything? Like, why are you why are you wanting to break outside of that? And I get it. A lot of actors, they're, they've been in the industry for a while and they're tired of doing the same thing over and over and over again. But for sure, when you're starting out, especially, you have to niche down and you have to take advantage of like the roles that the, and the opportunities you get. Yeah, because once you've established yourself as one character type or, or one particular niche, then you can maybe start to branch out a little further from that, then a little further, then a little further. You know, like yeah. Robin Williams was was crazy stand-up to begin with. And then mm -hmm. Robin Williams became this amazing dramatic actor as well. But that took years for people to start to say, okay, you can do that too. But it it's trusting of the audience, the trusting of casting and, and those kind of people. So I, I think that that's fascinating that even in a completely different field, you learn this idea of focus and really figuring out what you're good at. Mm -hmm. And I think even having my experience as an actor, and I teach the actors inside my community the same thing, is like as actors, we we have so many skills that have, number one, I'm just like can set us apart, but also there's so many things that translate into being an entrepreneur that we've learned in acting, like the narrowing down into a niche and like also what other person other than an actor can get 50 no's and still keep going because mm -hmm. we've been to so many auditions. We have thicker skin than most people, where like most non-actors rather. So there's stuff like that that really stand us apart when we want to make money in the, in another industry. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely skills. I, I remember, I mean, the most random thing, I just needed work because I wasn't acting at the time. So I was just looking for anything and I applied to be a car salesman at this dealership. But it was interesting that I went in for the interview and got the job. But afterwards he said, what interested me was the fact that you're an actor and you're able to speak to people and you're able to take information and present it to other people. And he said that was the skill that he was looking for and someone that could yeah. that could sell, yes, but also relate to the customer. And I didn't do very well just because I'm I'm not good at the salesman <laughs> part. But as far as explaining and presenting things to people, I did feel like I was very good at that. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of yeah. a, a yin and yang with that job. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and building the confidence to speak to a complete stranger also. Oh, That's absolutely. Like get asked to do that every day in front of casting. And it felt very difficult subject matter, like how much money do you make? What can you afford each month? You know, <laughs> those are things yeah. that people obviously Culturally want to talk about. Yeah. Right. But, but learning how to kind of get around and navigate those kind of conversations. Well, one of the things that you were telling me uh, as we prepared for this was that you booked your first leading role in a rom-com opposite your husband. But there's a story behind the pay rate and negotiating. How how did that how did all that come to play? Yeah, well, the, because he was my husband, I knew how much they offered him three thousand at least three thousand dollars more than me, and I'm like, I should be getting paid more than him. 
And I said to my agent, I don't care, but I want at least $1 more than (laughs) I'm number one. He's number two. This is 2020. Okay, let's do it. Let's make it happen. I was like, I'll still take it if they say no, but let's just find out. And if I didn't have, I'm going to say though, like if I didn't have the backbone of the side hustle that I had, because at that point, that was my, the best month that I had in my side hustle. If I wasn't making that money, I would not have had the guts to say that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have asked that pay raise, I guess. And how did it go? They said, yes. They gave me the dollar more. They're like, yes, we're going to give it to you. I love and that. And so, yeah. Yeah, I was really happy about that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting when, you know, I'm sure there was some negotiating that your agent did, but the fact that they were able to give it and they did give it obviously meant number one, that they wanted you, but it also meant they could have offered that to you to begin with. So it makes you go, now, oh, wait a minute. Why wasn't like, this why? just, yeah. Why wasn't just why offered? Is still existing. How did you think you could get away with this? When this is my husband, I know what he's getting paid. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, well, I I think that that's you know getting back to what I was saying about financial discussions. Those can be very difficult, especially for actors. And I think that there needs to be a bit more openness and honesty about that, mm-hmm. so that because it was a conversation when I was on tour with another actor that was you know I was good friends with, but we openly talked about how much we were making, and I found out we're doing the same thing. He's getting more. Why is that? And I eventually went to my agent and got more. But with those kind of conversations, once you have knowledge, then you can mm-hmm. negotiate, you can push for more and realize your literal worth to a show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, in every episode, you get three stories. But if you want bonus segments with extra audition stories and the final five questions about lessons learned and what making it really means, then what you have to do is subscribe to WinMe at whyillnevermakeit.com. You just click subscribe there or here in the show notes, give this podcast a little money, and you'll get the full episodes with all the stories and bonus segments included. And another benefit of subscribing is that you won't have to listen to any ads either. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For story number three, you wanted to discuss that um, the challenges that you faced having your first baby. And it was, uh, as you mentioned, it was a two and a half year process to get there. What exactly were these challenges that you had to overcome? I wanted a baby. I knew I would want kids when I was younger. And we had wanted to start trying to have a baby. And it ended up taking two and a half years. And during that journey, it was uh, IUI. And I had to have a fibroid surgery and then IVF is in the end what made that possible for me successfully and like gratefully because not even everybody can uh, get pregnant with IVF. Uh, But for sure, like having this side hustle was amazing for acting. That's why I started it. But it really made like if I didn't have the side hustle, I it wouldn't have, I don't think doing IVF would have been an well, option. Well, yeah, because it's, it's not a cheap thing to do no, that. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. And it's all, and then my side hustles also funded my mat leave and stuff and made it so that like, you know, I know so many actors and I know like if I, there's different personalities, but some actors, they feel like they need to jump right back into work right after they have their child. And for me, especially because I went through the process of like, the process of getting pregnant I was like uh, I, I I've been really wanting to take advantage of this time and it could be my personality too because everybody's different but I'm so grateful to to have something there that like 
pays the bills that I makes it so that I can jump back into acting whenever, whenever I can. Yeah. You, you mentioned that your, your acting training kind of helped you through this, this long two and a half year process. How, how exactly was that? How did your acting training of either persistence or just, uh, you know, being more in touch with yourself, how did that help you through this? Hmm. Yeah, maybe the persistence of it. It emotionally was really hard to be around like family and other people who are sharing that they were getting pregnant and also like getting older. Like just, I had came from Abbotsford, which is like considered the Bible belt. There's so many people just like get pre- getting pregnant out of high school, which is never something that I, I would have like wanted for myself, but I was beyond the age of, when you're supposed to have a baby. So there's all these messages, but like, yeah, being connected in the community and acting was as much as like, sometimes when you go to the audition room, it can be toxic, but there are some really, really amazing people when you like, you can get connected within the industry and the friendships throughout it all. And the different roles that you get to step inside of that can help. You can learn so many. I think I learned so many lessons from different characters that I, had done throughout the years, whether it was on screen or even in acting class that I think probably helped me get through it all as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there is a certain understanding, not only of, of other people, but an understanding of yourself as you go through acting classes. So I'm sure that Mm -hmm. as you dug into these characters, you were also digging into yourself and learning more about, you know, Mm -hmm. who Jocelyn Mm -hmm. is. And yeah. so through that, you were able to be a little stronger and yeah. persistent. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, when I think about it, I think the biggest thing is like when I checked in with it, in that hardest moment, when I checked in with myself, when I was like community and inspiration were the two things I need, needed. I think it was the community. The community was what really, you know, got me through it. I made some really, really amazing friends in the industry by just sharing my story with them. And we're like best friends now. And they've actually, some of them have actually taken my course and are like kicking ass with their own side hustles now too, and, <laughs> which is so exciting to watch and support them that way. But like, I feel, I feel so grateful for like a lot of people in the acting community who are here to raise each other up and exactly build relationships that way. Yeah. I think one of the most important things for actors, you know, but really for anyone is, is that sense of community, a, uh, a support structure, uh, around us to both lift us up, keep us going. And it sounds like that you found this during your difficult time. Uh, how exactly mm-hmm. did they help keep you motivated and, and pushing onward? The the people that I met? Yeah, yeah your community. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think sharing vulnerably where I was at and then people who were in similar places reached out to me. And we had stories to share with each other and connect with each other. And like we, we could relate with each other because we were on a similar journey or just, and not everyone's ready to share their journey either. So I'm sure there's people who I probably have no idea that like follow me on Instagram or something. And cause I share sometimes about the path, like the journey still. And there's probably some people who can really relate and, I have no idea who they are, but I'm sure like some people are feeling not as alone in the process because it can be really lonely. And being an actor can be really, just being an actor, period, can be really lonely. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, because when you're up and standing in front of people, uh, you know, in, the, in front of the table in the audition room, that's a lonely experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, being on stage, you know, if you're singing or doing a monologue of some time, that can be, you know, and then going through it alone. You know, the self-tapes, we're now alone in our rooms doing the self-tapes. <laughs> I mean, it's there, there's that's, so many, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing that I, I like the fact that we have self-tapes, but I also don't like, I miss going to the audition room too and being around people and building relationships. It makes it impossible to build more relationships right now, which is how we thrive as human beings, but also like, how do you make your mark in this industry? A lot of the time is relationships. Well, I, I just think that it's harder for directors, producers, casting directors. It's harder for them to, to, 
I guess to see a spark in someone for for an audition to stand out when when you're just screen after screen after you know and you're just going through tape after tape and rather than taking the time to look at someone in a room get a feel for them mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely some things that are missing yeah for sure now in your case how were you able to to balance and maintain you know your acting career your side hustle your marriage and this process of fertility that you were going through without being overwhelmed or wanting to back away or even give up mm. I think, yeah, no, it was definitely that moment, the community inspiration moment that Ken, I like was the catalyst for everything, but realizing that I have already built the structure of this side hustle. So it was like, I have this amazing career. Like my, my acting career was doing pretty good at that point in 2019. Like I, like it was constantly growing and then it continued to, but I, I think that was also partly to do with like just letting go and like while I wanted to it's interesting because I wanted to birth a baby but I focused on birthing a business and I think in birthing that business is what helped me not just survive but thrive it gave me a fire like I could create something that I'm in control of because you don't have much control inside acting and it gave me because I had that money it gave me the confidence to just let go of acting and show up in the room or on tape to just be like pressure's off you know what I mean like I don't need this gig I want this because I love it but I don't need it you know what I mean so having that business made me more confident having more money in the bank made me more confident because I wasn't so desperate to book the role because I feel like in the past even not going through hard times when I had the debt, I'd be like, ah, oh. at one point, oh, I was in 20K in debt. I was like, okay, if I book this gig, I'm going to make one, two, three, four, five, twenty thousand $20,000 easily on this show. That'll pay off all my debt. And I don't think I showed up with the, a good amount of confidence in that audition room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, certainly money can be a motivating factor. It, it, it's, yeah. it's one of those when things you have that, that looming anyway. Yeah, especially whenever you're starting out, it can be such a big deal to book those roles. And uh, I think that's another reason why we're just kind of like anything and everything, whatever comes my way, I'm going to grab it because we kind of just want a job. We want to be paid. We want to be working. this desperation energy. It pushes it away. When do you think that desperation in yourself started to die down and you start to settle more into who Jocelyn was, both as as a person, as an actor? I think like acting teachers talk about that desperation energy from the get-go or at least the ones that I studied with. So I was aware of it, but I felt like, like I knew I needed to let it go. And I knew that like this debt was like making me have it. And as much as I tried, I just felt like I couldn't ever until I actually like one was getting rid of the debt, but also just like having the side hustle for sure. I think having a side hustle, knowing that I could pay the bills no matter what, and that wasn't a factor at all. Me showing up at an audition or me taping for an audition is because the sheer joy of doing it and because I love it, not because I need to get paid. So taking that off the table really, really helped. But I think it's also a mindset thing for sure. Recognizing we're worthy of it, recognizing and whatever path it is that helps people get get there that is like, I am worthy just because I because I love it, I'm worthy of this role. Because I love it, I'm worthy of making my acting career possible. For me, my path ended up being like realizing I'm worthy because I I built this kick-ass like side hustle. And like that boosted my confidence, but every path for some actors could be completely different. So whatever it is, like digging inside yourself, like what's getting in the way of you feeling worthy that you really deserve this just because you want it. Just because it's a passion of you. That's all that you need. Thank you so much for joining Jocelyn Panton and me today. And remember, you can get access to bonus content and conversations by going to whyillnevermakeit.com and click subscribe. Or just look for the link in the show notes. All right, now let's get to this week's comment, which comes from Odd J Soprano on Instagram. She was actually responding to a question I posted from my interview with Dan Connectus. She wrote, Wouldn't be fair to answer because I already listened to 
nay, absorbed the episode, lol. I already know the answer. And she went on to say, it was a great episode, as they all are. Well, thank you, Audra. So happy to have you as a listener and glad you are enjoying the podcast. That conversation with Dan was particularly great as he and I have known each other for about 10 years. And he really opened up about his work and gave me some things to think about as I work on my own career. So keep listening and thanks for following WinMe on Instagram. And you too can follow Why I'll Never Make It at WinMe Podcast on Instagram. That's W I N. M-I podcast, all one word. Well, that just about does it for me. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast, which is a production of Win Me Media, with Maria Clara Ribeiro as co-producer. Background music used in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and John Bartman. Be sure to join me next time as we talk more about why I'll never make it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.